Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. This is uh, week 14 uh, of the COVID-19 series. I've been I've been doing this for 14 weeks. I mean, it it's it seems like a lot of weeks, um, but I mean, I did do 100 shows uh, before this, but that was over a couple of years, um, and uh, I only started doing weekly shows um, about halfway through that. Um, but I don't know why this seems like wow, it's been 14 weeks already. Uh, today's uh, June 28th, uh, 2020, if you're listening to this in the distant future. Uh, this is the time of COVID. Um, COVID-19 pandemic has uh, locked us all down. Um, you, uh, you know, a lot of places that might have been uh, free of COVID, uh, they open up and then somebody goes to a nail salon and now 100 people are at risk. Uh, these are the things that are happening at this specific stage is that everyone feels a little safe. Uh, what's interesting is is mostly I think everyone's just tired of staying inside and thinking that's the reason to go um, out again. Uh, but the virus doesn't seem to care about that. Uh, so we're seeing how this is all developing and, and uh, it really is bringing up a lot of uh, conversations about uh, human beings and uh, what normal is and, and what we're supposed to be doing and um, and then, uh, of course, uh, with all of the unemployment and everything, and then there's protests and, and there's uh, Black Lives Matter because uh, there's video of, of police uh, killing black people, uh, on, you know, it, it, which was happening all the time, of course. But uh, now it's like in our face and, and everybody can't ignore it. Right. So the, 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 this is, you know, it was like covid pandemic uh, uh, into protests and the, the world is in a bit of a turmoil right now. Um, so I, uh, I decided to come back out of sabbatical <laughs> to, uh, I didn't know when I was going to come back. Uh, I knew there's, there's episode on 101, uh, that's, that's actually sitting, waiting to be edited that I, uh, that I recorded in September and, and the guest, he's being very patient <laughs> for it to come back to normal, but this is not the, the, the regular format of the show. This is specifically, uh, to connect. It's unedited. Uh, we're talking to people every week, and I want people to hear the conversations that I have. Like, this will be published in a couple hours, very likely. Uh, and uh, so uh, today, I have uh, Danielle Desir. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you, Bo. Pleasure. Nice to meet you from Twitterland. <laughs> yes, right? We, we know each other from either, you know, seeing names, uh, see, uh, uh, you know, FinCon, uh, which unfortunately uh, I won't be attending this year. Maybe in a future year, we can talk about that in in a bit if you like. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, then we're on Twitter and we interact, and everybody's like got nice positive messages. And then you learn more about someone and realize uh, they have a either a, a fantastic story or things they're doing to 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 promote their network and to amplify voices. And we all just want to connect with people who are like-minded in that way and, and promote uh, positive ideas, positive messages, uh, different perspectives. And that's what this show is about, right? It's about telling stories, different perspectives, um, about uh, you know your life, but also and money uh, and how it's all connected because you, you can't do anything without money. Right, right, Danielle? You oh, I say that all the time. Yeah, definitely. You need money to travel, which is what I love to do. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Danielle, your main thing is uh, your. So, well, your website and podcast are called the Thought Card, uh, and you've written a couple of books about travel. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, I I love to talk about affordable travel and personal finance. Like those are my two passions, 
And I, w- I started about five years ago and folks were like, didn't really understand what I was talking about. Cause travel bloggers, they talk about only travel, personal finance folks traditionally only talk about money. So it was very weird for me to come and do these two separate things together. But over Seems time, it's weird I think... now that, you, you, that, it, that people <laughs> thought you were weird. It's, right? It like, like, right? Like, it's uh, all, everything has to do with everything, right? If you, yes. you, how can you travel just blindly? What, just put it on the credit card? Is that what uh, they would say? They wouldn't even talk about it. It's just like, you know, just like, it's not even a thing. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. But like, how did yeah. you do it? You know, like, can we talk <laughs> about the numbers here? Yeah, it was interesting. But I'm happy that like five years later, uh, I'm still talking about the same thing. People are definitely resonating with what I'm sharing. Um, so keep going. Like, even if people don't understand what you're doing, like, just keep going because you'll find traction. That's an amazing message to start off the podcast. I, 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 I really like that. And, uh, you know, we, you will be on the show in the future when we're back and I can do the full format, starting with the earliest money memory and, and all the things that you've done, because you've done lots of things, you know, paying off debt is one of them, especially. And I like to talk about that because I am a, a, a registered insolvency counselor in Canada is what I do. I, I, I provide the mandatory counseling sessions for people who filed bankruptcy or consumer proposal in Canada. Um, so I talk to people about debt every day, all day and how to not get back into it and how to change their life and their habits and their behaviors and their, their mindset uh, to move forward and get a fresh start. So it's uh, very important for people to hear uh, debt uh, repayment stories, debt uh, change of mind mindset stories. Um, but in the meantime, uh, just go listen to the Money Nerds podcast with Whitney Hansen. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good episode, uh, a, li- a little bit about uh, uh, Danielle's story on there. Uh, and uh, she chats with my my friend Whitney, uh, who's got a great podcast, and I'll put the link in the in the show notes for that. Um, so, but today we're going to start uh, with uh, talking about your COVID story and how COVID nineteen has impacted you. Obviously, travel is one of them. Uh, the, tell me, uh, so you're in Connecticut? That's yes. where you live on the yes. daily. Is that where you were when uh, everything kind of got locked down? Tell us uh, how Connecticut has uh, sort of dealt with this from the beginning. Yes. So I would call myself like a dual citizen because I live in Bridgeport, Connecticut, but I work in Midtown Manhattan. And before COVID, my work arrangement was three days in New York City, two days home. So I Hmm. got to see both perspectives from being a local um, CT and also, you know, working in Midtown Manhattan. So I'm going to bring it back to actually December because December in, okay because in December uh, my now fiance and I at the time we were just boyfriend and girlfriend we oh. went <laughs> so that's another story we could dive into <laughs> there was an engagement during COVID uh, which is pretty yeah, interesting wow. cool <laughs> so back in December uh, my boyfriend at the time uh, we actually went to China and that was our first time going to Asia and actually his first like super international trip, like besides going to the Caribbean. And we actually had made a deposit and like planned this trip the year before. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was since like 2018, it was booked and 2019 we decided to go. And at the time, China, it's a big trip, right? It's a very big trip. Visas. It's a huge process. Yes, the Um, visas. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit, I was, I was very um, uncertain because I just never had done a visa application before, even though I've traveled pretty extensively so far. So we went to China and we had an amazing, amazing 10-day experience there. We got back and a couple weeks later, we heard, you know, through YouTube and through like, you know, not on the news yet, but it was they were talking about 
some, you know, viral disease happening in China. And Mm. we heard that the city where things had started was Wuhan. And my boyfriend at the time, we looked at each other. We were like, babe, are we okay? We were in Wuhan International Airport. We were like, we, it's so funny because to go from New York City to Beijing, we stopped in Wuhan Airport uh, Mm. for like a very short layover. And then we went off to Beijing and then our trip started. So a couple weeks after our trip, we looked at each other. We're like, are we okay? Do we are, do we have any like symptoms or anything like that? And we had like a, a Facebook group where we kept in touch with all the other folks in our tour. And we I asked them. I was like, hey, is everyone okay? Like no one feels like flu symptoms or anything like that. And everyone's like, no, we're good. We're fine. So okay. we kind of looked at each other. We're like, whoo, we just missed a huge, like we just missed yeah. it. Like, okay. And, you know, life went back to normal. Um, January came. I went to London for a few days uh, for Marley the King weekend, and that was fine. And February came, and it's starting to now get picked up in the news more and more. And I had actually a trip to go to PodFest, which is like a really huge uh, podcast uh, conference in Orlando. And I was starting to feel uneasy because... It was no longer a China pandemic or like, you know, a China episode. It was spreading to like Italy and to like Europe and the Middle East and people were dying. And I'm just I said to myself, babe, I think that this is spreading. You know, if it's spreading past Wuhan, there's no. And also based off my experience of being in China, there's so many people in China. There's so many, many people. And they're usually like these huge high rises because there's, you know, they they have a lot of land, but still they're building, you know, tie. So I could tell that if there is something that's spreading, it's going to spread across the continent real and then fast. spread across the world real fast. And at the time there were no airports being closed down. People were still flying. Things were just like, yeah, yeah. you know, so it was a little scary for me. So I said to my, my boyfriend, I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to go to PodFest because I just, I don't want to be exposed and also not only, you know, exposure in the flight, but also exposure at the conference where there's a lot of people and I just wasn't sure. So I decided against actually everyone, like most people actually decided to go to the conference and I said, you know what, I'm not going to go. So that was really like my first decision where I had to make that. I was like, okay, because of COVID, I'm going to change my plans. It's interesting as a traveler for you to because, you know, if that was like the only place you would be going like, oh, I really want to go to PodFest, but, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to travel because I'm not an experienced traveler. Well, you are. So uh, was it you just had this this feeling or you were looking at the data? Well, what really uh, convinced you? I was I had a feeling I had a gut feeling. I was looking at the data, looking at how it was spreading. Um, and I was also very, I felt like I was, I was in Wuhan. I was so close. I was like, I was so close to the action that I, I scaved free and I just wanted to honor that, you know, like I wanted to make sure that I was being a good servant of like the opportunity that I was given that I did not catch it when I was, it sounds you like know. a survivor. Um, you had a survivor, uh, uh concept, the mentality yeah. right? like people who, who got like, you know, it's okay. It's a, not a very fair comparison, but it, the people who got bombed in, in like London, England, for example, during wars, right. Um, they feel much more value for their life, right. Having just like the bomb was just there right beside them. And so you had, you were right there, Possibly in like the 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 epicenter in the zone, the coronavirus yeah. at the yeah. time, 
And so, yeah, so, yeah, why would you <laughs> chance it again? It makes sense. So you stayed home. Yes, yes. So I stayed home. And it was really hard to stay home because you see all your friends, like FOMO, and you're like, did I really make the right decision? You know, and this was early. So this was like in, I believe, like early March. So things were just, or February. So it was just like not enough for you to feel like the huge effects of it. But yeah. I, re- I remember even because I go to spin class uh, when I'm down in the midtown Manhattan and even going to spin class, I'm like, we're all sweating together. Like we're all in here in this hot box. Like I was just breathing. really, yeah, breathing and coughing on each other and just like weird stuff, you know, our, just natural. Our, our prime minister says speaking moistly uh, <laughs> is what uh, he likes to say. Uh, that kind of went viral, that one. Um, oh. But yeah, the, even that, right? We don't even realize how much it was being transmitted probably at that time. Right? Yes, 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 yes. So I was like super hyper aware and I was watching like YouTube videos um, and they actually took them down since then, but they were showing you YouTube videos from Wuhan or allegedly okay. from Wuhan and you were seeing like graphic things happening there, you know, and it was saying because of COVID. So I was like, whoa, no one's really talking about this. And I see this now, like I see it in my own eyes. Um, so it just made me very aware and very sensitive to everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. March happened. And I actually talked to my boss cause I have a full-time job and I was like, are we like, you know, anything that we're doing to like not have to come and commute into the city? And it was still too early. Like it was, st- it was like something happening in Asia, not happening in our backyard. So, not yet. so they, yeah, it was too early to make decisions, but everyone was very aware of what's going, what's, what's going to happen. I also work for a medical institution. So that's also, it's a very, you know, we talk, we had like town halls talking about this and, okay. and we actually ended up started working from home March 9th. So that was my last uh, day commuting to the city. And since then I've been working remotely ever since like full, full, full time. Um, and I would say, was that a, yes, was, that's about a week before we did. Was that about a week before most other people in say Connecticut or New York did, uh, started work from home too? I think so. I think, I think, I feel like there were people, cause I remember being on Twitter and I was just like really anxious and I'm like, can we close down already? And I think that was like a week mm. or maybe a week or two after sure. I started feeling anxiety. So I think there were a, a couple of phases. So there were people who were definitely, cl- you know, closing up shop and working remotely a week or two ahead of me. But March 9th yes. was uh, the date that was like the last day. And we just kind of moved forward from there. Yeah, I think for us, it, we just needed time to get uh, equipment um, set up at home and uh, and just get everybody moved. But I was about a day early myself asking, because uh, we were talking about it. Oh, you know, we're getting set up for this. I'm like, okay, great. Rescheduling um, everybody to video because we were already set up for video in February, funny enough, uh, b- uh, before any of this um, even existed. They, they said, oh, you can do counseling by video in circumstances where maybe somebody's sick or they, they moved away. Uh, and so we had that ability. So I was all set up for it. Um, I was uh, just a day early and everybody was like, wait, why are you asking these questions? Uh, this is too early. Uh, and then the next day uh, we all got ordered to go home, the government. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, shut I, things down. I think what I've learned from this is that it's never too early for you to have your, like, you know, your, signals to be like firing off yeah, the, you know the, ra- the radar yeah I, I just learned that it's like i had my radar since like february march right and i understand that institutions can't just pull the trigger so fast without yeah. you know making yeah, sure that, that they sense. see data and stuff like that but 
now for sure, I know, okay, if there's something happening in, let's say, Tokyo or something like that, it's going to, it's definitely going to like spread really quickly. And I think that before we would just say, oh, that's something happening in Asia. That's not our problem. Right. And that's not how the world works. We're so connected now. We can so connected. Like, you know, you can fly to Tokyo in 12 hours. How, how was that a length of your flight? You stopped through, wait. You said you we stopped, stopped through Wuhan. Wuhan, yeah. So our flight total, I think it was like 17 hours, but with like an hour sure. layover in Wuhan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just because it's a different uh, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And maybe not the direct, direct flight to Beijing, right? right. Or maybe there is, but uh, not We didn't get it, yeah. You <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't get that one, yeah. Yes. Well, the direct flights are usually available. You, like, you can fly from uh, Dallas and Houston to uh, Sydney, Australia, right? Uh, now, uh, it's, it's the first time in a, in a long time. Uh, that they've been able to do that because of the the jet fuel that you need yes. to get around the world. So it's just fascinating now that we can get places so quickly. And then we wonder, right? And uh, I, I really like what the New York Times just put out recently about how did we get here. And at that time when they were like 15 people in Seattle have COVID, uh, they're just extrapolating that there was probably about 2,000 people that had it. and And that's fascinating to me because... There's still so much that we don't see and we don't know about this. And so when, you know, in my, in my city, we had four cases yesterday, right? Like, you know, 9,000 cases in Florida, right? <laughs> so big, big difference there. Um, nine, four cases, I should feel safe, right? But there was, there's a city in, in Ontario where um, there were no cases, say, last week. And uh, then uh, a nail salon um, turns out that somebody working there had it. 12 people have it or 18, something like that, and 100 people who came in and out are being tested. So it can happen, apparently, one person. There's stories out of South Korea where one guy goes to a bunch of different bars or something, and that's it, and then they shut down the world. So it's hard to know. Like We can't just make these concrete decisions like, oh, four cases, that's great. Let me go and party or, right. or you know, let's go and hug everybody again, right? Uh, shake hands, which I, I don't think we'll ever be doing again. What do you think? Shaking hands? Mm, I don't see that. I still see people trying to, like they do reach out, but then we're like, here's the elbow. Here's the elbow. Hey. Elbow. Yeah, exactly. We need a good fake out, right? Like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, even, yeah. from, even my mom, like I saw her yesterday on our run and, and you know, instinctively we were just kind of, I was like, oh, okay. Kind of like kind of doing this weird. Hand. Yeah, it was weird. But I was like, and mom, I love you. <laughs> social distancing visits are actually worse sometimes than just doing a video. Because, you know, and my, my parents would say this, uh, you know, when my, uh, my wife and my son stopped by uh, just uh, on the way back from somewhere uh, and they sat on the porch and stuff, they found it harder to see them go. Then when we talk on, on Saturday uh, uh, for dinner on video, yeah. they, they're not, it's like that wasn't difficult. Right. And so it's like, yeah, because there's that connection. It's so close. And, and we could have had that, you know, the, the physical Contact. connection that we apparently seem to need as human beings. Right. I mean, it's a it's one of those base things. Right. Just even having the, the contact of another human being just in friendship. Right. You know, uh, or or having a romantic partner. That's it's all this. These are needs that we have. And so yeah. we, that this is something to acknowledge when when uh, when I like to think, oh, we can just I can just do the rest of my life over video with everybody. Right. Um, which seems like a, a nice it's harder, solution, but yeah, but it's harder. It's harder. And I'm uh, happy to have my wife and my son here in the house. And, and, you know, that's, I'm glad that we, we can do that. Right. And I imagine, and I've heard that people who are single are having a hard time right now, really hard time. And people who depend on contact with others more so than, than, you know, people are very extroverted. 
um, mm-hmm. that would that would be a lot tougher too. So, you know, this is a this is a hard thing, right? But so, but you you locked yourself down um, early, and how are you feeling? Like, uh, are, are are you are you? I have lots of anxiety about a state of emergency and going out during that. Not even necessarily about co- getting COVID or anything. Just being outside in a state of emergency seems like there's a lot of unrest and everything is happening. How are you feeling? So I would say for March, April, and May, anxiety was very, very high. Okay. Like my uh, family members would come and I would still be like come over to do something in the house or something like that, like a backyard, uh, maybe fix something in the backyard. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. get away, like stay away. <laughs> so I was having, I was like, re- yeah. I was very, like, very, very paranoid. And my boyfriend at the time because he was still my boyfriend until like (laughs) mid-may we still have to get to that so Uh, so my boyfriend at the time he was still working he's an essential worker so he was working every single day so here you have me who's working from home my partner who's working every day out there so he would come home and i would be like take off your clothes, go shower, wash your hands. Like, don't touch me. Don't kiss me. Don't do anything until you clean yourself. And, and he was, he was complying, but I had that, like, he was the, he was that light that showed me, okay, like I'm still going out there. I'm safe and okay. And there is a risk absolutely having him out there. Um, but that's a risk that we have to take because we have to continuously like take care of our household. You know, he has to continuously work. He he still has a job, which we were so lucky. So yes. we have to work with each other here. So I think it's like I had a a, a crisis happening inside of me, uh, me and mm-hmm. me being paranoid, being me being able to stay home, and my partner being out there in the world, and I don't even know if he's safe. So that that was a a huge battle for me for the beginning part of. Uh, the pandemic. Yeah, my, my crisis is coming. Uh, you, you had yours. My uh, so my son is going back to daycare July sixth, and my wife is going back into the clinical setting of a medical school. Uh, so she'll be working in a hospital again. Which they they took them both out on the same day in March, and so they both been home. And she's been doing some remote schooling, but the but she's in clerkship right now, and so they need to be in the hospital, mm-hmm. right, or a doctor's office, or you know wherever you can actually learn from a doctor. Um, and so she's going back. So I'm going to have this, the similar experience that you did where, okay, she's out there, she's wearing PPE all the time. Uh, sh- you know, and she's not working in with COVID patients necessarily. We'll see how the future goes. And he's in a very controlled setting in daycare and kids apparently don't catch it from other kids. Um, and they're less likely to get it too. So there's a lot of stuff that's, uh, that I'm just going to be able to experience in reality Yes. Uh, that I've only been able to think about in theory uh, for now, and that will nor- uh, maybe normalize this a bit more for me. Not that I necessarily want it to be normalized. I want to stay vigilant as well. Um, and that I think, because that, that is a risk, right? That's what we're seeing. Everybody's like, oh, it's no big deal. Let's go outside. Oh, it's no big deal. Let's all uh, sit in and have a dinner on a table I- inside a restaurant. So, you know, it's about figuring that out um, and, uh, you know, seeing what the effects are. It just hasn't been that yeah. long yet, right? It it hasn't. Uh, but I think over for me, the past three months of having extreme paranoia, extreme anxiety, having this dual, uh, just the duality of everything. And mm-hmm. also coupling with that fact that travel, I have decided, like we have decided that travel is not going to be something that we do. Like we're not doing train travel. 
We're not doing mm. uh, air travel. And I'm still not really sure how I feel about hotels or accommodations yeah. right now. That is like, I just, so because we're not sure, we're actually saying no. Like until we feel like we like definitely do it, we're saying no to that. But what I've instituted is that every weekend, now that we're in summer, we said that we're going to do one social distance activity together as a couple. So that for me is my ability, my one time a week that I can go out there, have some like some fun, um, making sure that it's going to be safe. So our first social distance activity, um, and we do it on a Sunday, it's a little bit more quieter on Sundays. Um, and because of my partner's schedule. So we have gone hiking. Um, nice, and yeah. uh, that was really nice. Uh, we bring our mask with us, hand sanitizers, hand wipes, water, snacks. Like we came prepared. Like we're not Perfect. we're not yeah. playing around. So that was really uh, that was great. And I think once you have one activity that you do and it's like, oh, this was fun. Like I still feel OK. We, we you know, we were prepared and we still we felt safe. We were able to do more. You know, every weekend we do something else. Bit by bit. Bit by bit. We've also um, had a chance to visit a beach. uh, And Connecticut beaches are not like Florida or like the Caribbean or anything like that. (laughs) But they had a really nice boardwalk, which allowed you to still like social distance there. So having uh, just walking on the beach was one of our very short dates. Um, And then we actually because I'm also very big into like craft beer and cideries and wineries and stuff. So now three weeks, four weeks in, I'm actually like starting to go to one of these places. So last weekend we went to a brewery and I think a part of it was, I wanted to see how Connecticut is faring with all of these. Like, are these places making you feel safe? What are their precautions? Uh, So we went to a brewery. It's a Thimble Islands brewery here in Connecticut. And they had, and we were all outside and they had pockets of like benches and areas. And by each bench, there was hand sanitizers and when you walk into the, you know, walk into the brewery, you have to have your mask on. So everyone has yep. their mask on. When you sit down, you have an option to take it off or not. Um, but the waiter keeps it on at the entire time. Okay. So that at least limits that. Um, and then there's wipes, you know, on the table. So you could wipe down your cups and things like that if you want to, your sides. Uh, and we tried it. We tried it. And I had a good time. I had a really good time. Uh, but it was like I mentioned before, it was a progression. It went from super anxious in March, super anxious till April, May, and then going out hiking and, you know, doing things and now being able to go, but also the places that we go now are outdoors. So the brewery was outdoors. We went to a cider, uh, actually a, a winery yesterday and it was also outdoors. So I just haven't, sat down at a restaurant, um, since everything, but it was very gradual for me. I just didn't well, just jump out, into it. Yeah. Outdoors is uh, safer, right? The, the, yeah. the, the statistics are that it's, you have to be sort of in a contained setting and for a, a lengthy period of time mm-hmm. necessarily to be able to take in enough of the virus. Right. Yeah. So that's, that is the best place to start. I just feel like you're, you're like, you know, a month ahead of me on, on all this <laughs> stuff. Like I'm seeing into my future. Right. Cause yeah, like I'm, I've been running. Uh, so that's great. I'm going I have, yes. around people. Right. Yes. So that was my first uh, foray into the, uh, into the real world. And uh, <laughs> this, I really feel like, have you, have you read or seen ready player one? Um, no, the, I haven't. Book? No. Yeah. It's no. just, I feel like the, the, the oasis is the virtual world that they uh, all, all live in um, or interact in. I kind of feel like I've been in the oasis for a little bit. 
uh, minus all of the uh, virtual reality parts of it. So yeah, it's uh, so you're you're not obviously you're not traveling, but you uh, you you and you just did a big trip. But you do you always have a fund for travel. You're always planning for the next one. Were you doing that when you came back from China already? Yeah, so I always have a fund for travel, and I keep it very separate, and I save for travel automatically every single month. So for me, mm. I always want to have money in that account so I can make sure, a decision yeah. to hop on a flight deal because I love I love cheap flights. And the, it's so funny because usually I'm the kind of planner that plans trips six to nine months ahead of time. And for some reason, 2020, we, I only had London in January and Madrid, where we were supposed to get engaged in May. And ah, nothing okay. else. So it's so funny. 2019, we had China like a year ahead of time booked and we knew we were going to China. But for me this year was just one in January, one in May. So I don't have those experiences with people like canceling their flights and having to harass these all these tour companies and things like that. So yeah. it's very different for me, which is very surprising. Well, it's interesting because you, you've said uh, in, in other interviews that, you know, you you want to travel so you can write and talk about it right and yes. and so you you want to be going places and you know it's not like i'm going to take a year off or something like that do you just have other things going on or like other things taking up your energy and time that you hadn't got around to planning the say one in the fall or in the late summer or something like that I kind of feel like, I don't know, like maybe there's like a higher power out there who <laughs> knew like there's no yeah. need to like plan out that far. But it was, we only had that one trip in uh, Madrid to mm. May and American Airlines called us, told us that we'll refund you your money like before the trip. Oh, that's so nice. So we don't yeah. have that rule in Canada In Canada oh. and the UK. We don't have the, a refund rule. Uh, we got a voucher. Uh, for, for we were going to Italy in August mm -hmm. uh, with the baby with the baby uh, and his cousin who's uh, only a, a, a couple of months older than him. Their first trip on a plane, sitting on our laps and stuff. And uh, he, uh, yeah. So uh, w you know, they canceled the flights, but they they do they're doing two year vouchers now, wow. which I guess is reasonable. Um, but I don't know. What are we going to do? And uh, when are we going to be able to fly again? When are we going right. to feel comfortable flying again? We don't know. And I, I, you know, I'm lucky. I still have my jobs. And I obviously, you know, I, you know, I filed for insolvency 11 years ago. So I've rebuilt my finances pretty huge in the last 11 years. So I'm good. But a lot of people are not good, right? They need that money. They do. And they could use that. And, uh, you know, I, um, it's good that you have that policy in the States or, or at least a lot of the big airlines would do that. Right. Yeah. Um, I just wish we, we had that. Uh, I don't think the, we could get, we could do a whole episode about this, but I don't think the airlines should use individuals as bank accounts. Um, you know, that's not good, right? It, it, if you compare it to any other thing, if I put a deposit down for something that was going to be built for me and they said, Oh, we're not going to build that for you. Uh, but can I hold on to it so that if I build in the next two years, I'll get it to you. That makes no sense. No one Doesn't. would agree to that. Yes. Why does it make sense in the airline industry, right? Okay, so I'm I'm glad you got your flight <laughs> back for that, and then you didn't have uh, anything else. Uh, but yeah, this money's still coming out into the travel fund. Is it yes. just building up, building up? It's got nowhere to go. Is that what's happening right now? That's what's happening. I looked at my account the other day, and I'm like, wow, this is the most it's ever had because I'm constantly yeah. on the road. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can afford that trip to New Zealand one day soon. You know, when things free sure. up. So I'm and, excited. And that's what's good, right? We silver linings in all of this. Yes. Right? <laughs> so you can plan your big trip 
right? Yes. The 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 one that's always on the last one on the list for people is, is like the most the, expensive. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, the fl- a fly to the fly to the tip of South America and take the boat to Antar- Antarctica, right? That's amazing. The, <laughs> amazing. That's like the last one on the bucket list. Um, so maybe some people will be able to do that one uh, this time around. But we should acknowledge, of course, it's a very privileged thing to be able to even talk about, yeah, right? For sure. uh, to have a travel fund, to have the ability to do that, to make enough money to do that, and to take care of. Um, do you address, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't got around to reading a lot of your blogs or, or listen early podcasts. Do you address how people who uh, maybe can do what you do without having access to, to funds uh, or, or build it up over time? Like, do you address the privilege aspect of, of uh, travel? I do, because I would say when I first started, like in my early in my career, I was saving $25 a pay period. That's every two weeks. And that's all mm. that I could afford. So, yeah, wow. and, and yeah, not much at all, but I was still able to find creative ways to make it happen. And I've grown a lot, um, in my career and in my finances since then. So I think I talk about it less and more of like maximizing and optimization now. Uh, but mm-hmm. the beginning years were very, 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 um, the reality of it was just, I didn't have that much going on and I just needed sure. to make do with what I had. Uh, so yeah, I, I lots definitely, of debt, right? lots, oh, lots of debt and making those decisions like hard sacrifices, uh, to get here, mm. um, was very, very important. Yeah. So, so people can go back to early. Yes, for uh, sure. The thoughtcard.com. 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 Not the, the podcast is called the thought. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So thoughtcard.com, people can go back to early blogs. If they're like, if you're in a position where you're like, I don't, I'm, I don't even have more than 20 bucks a week. Or or, tw- or twenty five bucks a paycheck to save, and you're saying I can travel on that somehow, and it turns out you can. So that's uh, that's good. It's good to have those examples because, yeah, I mean, as as uh, as Jay Money uh, would would say, um, you know, he wa- he wishes he could sort of just give his money away so that he could go back to being the struggling guy again. Now that he's hit the million or whatever his target was. Uh, he feels like maybe people don't take him seriously anymore, right? Or listen to him. Um, it's a very interesting situation where you're you're revealing your net worth over so many years, or your plan, or your your journey, and then once you make it, people uh, they don't want to listen to that anymore. Well, I mean, to me, that's ins- inspiration. I'll just go back to the beginning, then. Yeah. Do you have that experience? I, well. I think for I still think that people find me approachable and relatable, um, even though I've grown a lot in my career. And I think and just for those who want to really who maybe like they are struggling with mindset work and like figuring out how to travel um, or how to save money for travel. I did write a book called Affording Travel that touches on my step by step process because I did understand like time and money are the biggest hurdles holding people back from traveling. So I broke down the travel, the time, time is actually the next book, but the money part is the book that I wrote. So there is a resource for those, uh, those folks, but I think that's why I. Sorry about that. We just had a little disconnection. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Yeah. What were were you saying? Yeah. So I was, yes, I remember. I remember. So I was saying that that's why for me, it's really important that I have a blog and that I have a place to document my journey is because I want to be able to go back to those beginning times or to have people see the journey and the transformation and to understand the things that I've done that have helped me 
along the way. Because I think a lot of us, we're just trying to figure it out. Like we're getting tips from each other. We're by the end of the day, there's no like, you know, roadmap. And you're like, this is your path to success. So we're really just trying to figure it out here. So having a blog has really helped me to see how much I've come and to document where I was. Like I do, I still have like, I don't think it's public public now, but I have blog posts where I would do quarterly updates for my student loans. And one of the quarterly updates was like, this is me at 50,000 okay. due. Like I'm still at 50,000. I would talk about my feelings and how I felt about it. And I could always go back to that. So documenting your journey is very powerful and not only for you, but also for the folks that you are, you know, you're serving in your audience. No, that's uh, just a, you had 63,000 in debt, yeah. right? Yes, I did. Yeah. That's just a huge number uh, to, to go through and, uh, yeah, so and uh, and we can again get into that in a future episode. I wanted to talk about uh, the group that you started uh, called uh, and and website and um, called uh, and it's a company, right? Or I mean, it's grown. Is, is it like an LLC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a little tiny bit about U.S. Uh, business structures. Um, so it's the WOC podcasters, women of color podcasters, and the Facebook group is how three thousand members, over three thousand. So three. So is that that's like, is everyone in the Facebook group like an official member uh, uh, in another way too, like on the website, or is it just Facebook group and then there's like other membership types too, or how does yes. it work? Yes, so there's the free Facebook group and anyone, it's a very inclusive space. So of course we cater to women of color podcasters, but we say anyone, any woman mm-hmm. can join. Um, so you don't have to be a woman of color. Uh, but recently, um, over the past two years, actually inspired by this pandemic, having a lot of free time and ability to create and see what needs were needed to be met, I created an actual membership. So the membership has like resource library. It has accountability calls, like just a lot more touch points for us to really help each other and grow and up-level our podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll play devil's advocate for a sec. Um, not that I don't understand why, but I want to hear your, My reasoning. your <laughs> words as to why this, why this is a, why this is an important place, uh, space to have, uh, just, uh, yeah, just to say it in your words. Yes. That it's good. To okay. Hear. So let's talk stats. And these stats were from 2018. So in 2018, 22% of podcasts were hosted by women. So okay. eight out of 10 were, you know, hosted by men. So that's pretty i'm gonna guess mostly white mostly yes so i'm gonna guess that too and it's so funny because they don't really have lots of stats that really go into like the pockets and ethnicities and races but they don't have that many so that's that and this is data from 2018 so 22 percent are from women and then they said yeah. women of color is less than that. They didn't even have a, they couldn't even publish a number. They didn't even have they, a number. It's like okay. they didn't even wow. have a number. So that to me is staggering. So most mm. podcasters are typically seen as white males and there is a pocket of women podcasters and some number of that is women of color. Um, but for me, why this space is, is so important it goes back to 2018 when Spotify had released a opportunity called Sound Up Bootcamp and they were looking for aspiring women of color podcasters. All you had to have is an idea. 
And from that opportunity, the group was formed. Um, it was pretty much a hashtag on Twitter. I love Twitter, but just seeing so many people talking about this opportunity. And later down the road, it came out that there were 18,000 applications to this one opportunity. So you have, and this is all US-based. Wow. This was a US-based opportunity. So you have over okay. 18,000 yeah. women of color who had an idea to start a podcast to create a podcast. They needed guidance. They needed resources. They needed funding to make this happen. So for me, that for me was very, uh, very exciting. And I was shocked because when I was applying for this opportunity, I thought, how many of us are there? If you look at Apple Podcast Top 100, you could maybe count on one hand how many people of color that you see and maybe how many women of color would be like less yeah. than that, right? So I just... Yeah, just scanning the Just scanning, the just photos, scanning right? cover so photos. The, yeah. yeah, so I just didn't think that the demand was out there, that there was an interest. And at the time, I wasn't really listening to that many uh, podcasters of color either. So I just thought that, it just didn't really exist or we just weren't really into that, but that's not true. Um, and the opportunity from Spotify definitely showed me that. And also the fact that we've grown these past two years from like zero members to 3000 shows me that there is wow. a need, there is a space representation totally yeah. matters. And there's just a different feeling when you feel comfortable and you feel like people who look like you or who are in the same ethnic backgrounds or just who you can relate to are doing the same thing. It's so inspirational and it's just a different feel. Um, and it's encouraging, encouraging too, because again, outwardly, we don't, we're not represented well outwardly, but we're still here. And there's a, a lot of people of color who are podcasting. Just, they're just not highlighted in the top 100s on Apple podcast. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that is systemic. A lot of that is uh, because of all of the reasons why there's protests right now, right? Uh, you know, the example I, I like to give is whether you uh, feel, if you're a white person, if you feel like you're explicitly or implicitly racist, um, you know, hopefully you're not explicitly racist. Uh, I don't even know what to say to, to that person. Uh, but, uh, you know, implicit racism is really, really hard to uh, make go away because we, it's built up over hundreds of years and there's something programmed into our brains that looks at a room, a boardroom, let's say, a boardroom full of professionals. If it's all black people, something in our brain says there's something up with that, right? And, and we, we may not even know that that's happening, but something, something seems interesting, right? Is this, uh, wh why is this is not usual, right? And that's, that's the kind of stuff that we need to recognize and question and why? Why does it feel that way? Why? The, the, it, you know, the, and that's, that's the way it's maybe to help um, people who don't think, uh, the, who say, oh, I'm not racist or, you know, the, uh, I, I don't see color. All of those things that do not help. Right. right? Yeah. Um, help them sort of understand that there's still a bit, uh, a, a long way to yeah. go. Yeah. And I would also say that, like, right. uh, I think most of us as kids, we there's a point where things changed forever, right? Cause there's this innocence and we just don't know what it, what that mm. means. And then we kind of like cross the other side and now we become part of the, you know, larger society. Um, so it's okay. for me, I think that WC podcaster space is so important and so critical. And I hope that it lives even beyond the, the efforts that I do because again, having spaces, having safe spaces for people to be themselves to create is like so, so, so important. 
And I think for after, I think like since the whole, you know, COVID and all of these like protests happening, we've actually had a lot more interest from folks who are, who don't identify as women of color. And they're just like, Hey, we want to, we want to be part of this. We want to be part of your community. And I think that from the jump, like from the beginning, I've always been an inclusive, inclusive member, a leader. So I'm always open for open arms and let's have those tough conversations. Like we've had conversations in the Facebook group where we have to talk about, you know, the George Floyd situations and all of the racial injustices. And, and that's important, you know, because a lot of our community members are dealing with that. And you might not find that in other podcasting groups and podcasting spaces. So yeah, that's my, that's my response. Okay, good. I think you just said something great. Uh, it all broke up. So I hope <laughs> that it all got recorded. Because I, I, I heard the beginning of it, but I didn't hear the rest okay. of it. And I, so if, I'm, I don't know uh, how to respond, uh, but it, it sounded was good. good at it the was end. It was good, yes. There. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're talking about uh, how important it is to have uh, safe spaces and, uh, you know, um, positive. To me, it's just about positive uh, places, right? And we talked about FinCon briefly earlier. And uh, there's been a lot going on with that. Um, I'm just going to guess you're not going um, this year. I'm not going this year. Is that yes. accurate? Yes, I'm not yeah. going this year. And do, do you want to talk about why? Or, or Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. a heavy Twitter user. And I actually saw the comments that uh, the founder had put on Twitter uh, when it was happening. So I was just there. Like mm-hmm. I, was, I was there. And for, for me, yeah. it was pretty shocking and pretty insensitive for me to, for me to see that because I understand that not everyone has the same realities, right? Uh, However, being empathetic and just the words that were said was just like, I I remember almost was in there a couple of times was just like, gosh, that stung like a dagger. Like, it's, you know, I understand, again, like not everyone is facing the same things right now. Like we, for example, us two, like we still have our full-time jobs. So our perspectives are very yes. different during this time from folks who don't have or furloughed or things like that. But I can still sympathize. And I hope when I'm speaking that I'm not speaking from making people feel diminished or making people feel bad about their situations. I definitely understand. I understand. But the comments that I saw were just daggers and it's very hurtful. And very raw, especially during and, that time. Yeah, and and uh, if they would have been in isolation, and and if he would have come out and said, "Oh wow," like you know, immediately uh, not tried to, uh, you know, as uh, as my friend Tanya uh, says, it's a doubling down that hurts people the yeah. most. Doubling down on these insensitive things that they say, um, but it wasn't in isolation either. A lot of other things came up in terms of not uh, not paying people the same that too. amount of money whether there's some amb- ambiguity in there or not it's it was an issue right it was an issue that came up and then there was some uh, um, misogyny happening there uh, as well and another issue uh, you know where somebody brought that up and then they got shut down and then they felt afraid to say things so it was a conglomerate of things enough that uh, I don't feel that it's a, a comfortable place uh, uh, for me to be yeah. I don't want to be there. If if people, uh, if not everyone is welcome or other people are, are made to feel unwelcome. And then it also made me question as to whether I was getting treatment, uh, special treatment, uh, you know, 
because I'm a white male too, right? Um, I just thought back to a couple of things, and it's like, am I getting these opportunities because of that? You know, we're in, in a room full of, uh, of uh, a, a diverse community. Am I being picked out of a crowd because of the color of my skin? And that's, uh, that's upsetting. In a place where I, th uh, you know, I, I've met, because uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Canada, we have a lot of diversity, of course, but, you know, um, I don't have a lot of black friends, right? And I've had, uh, uh, you know, black people on the show, but, you know, if you, if you scan through my, my thing, and because I've been posting them on Instagram, uh, Instagram I'm making an uh, Instagram account, and it's everybody's face. That's what, that's what the podcast cover is, right? And if you look at the beginning of my show, it's very white, right? And, I, you know, a, a bit by bit, uh, trying to make it not so white. But it's, it's a reflection, like you said. People live in their own bubble. I don't think you said bubble, but I'm saying it. And uh, people have their own reality, right? Um, and so, yeah, in, in, uh, in the founder's uh, uh, world, um, he was just seeing what's on the media and saying, oh, it's all overblown. And, uh, you know, and the almost comment was, I think, and it almost makes me feel bad. Right, whatever, right? right. Which, is, like you said, daggers, yes. right? That's daggers for anybody, right? Just like, um, you know, things, uh, you, you, you just don't say, don't say anything, right? Keep, keep that to yourself. And, and uh, he should have been doing the opposite and, and finding that empathy, finding whatever was inside of him, whether he has completely different values than everybody else, that there's like there's a way to not uh, be like that. Yeah. We all have things going on in our heads. They might be from the past, right? Uh, you know, there's there's the uh, the way that you think or were brought up to think, and then there's the things that you actually do. And um, yeah, like I grew up with lots of things, that, uh, lots of racism, right? Just just because, just because that, that the community I grew up in. It wasn't necessarily explicit, but there's a lot of explicit stuff that people didn't even realize was explicit. Mm -hmm. um, and I only realized once uh, I, I went somewhere else. So, you know, there's uh, just acknowledging that as you go forward, right? And uh, I in a way, it's good that this is all coming up so we can talk about it more and we need to continue to talk about it more. Uh, but it's not good that all of this is happening uh, to people. And I don't even know what to say about um, uh, I don't uh, the, the hangings that are happening mm -hmm. uh, that they're calling suicides. Well, I don't even like I, I I don't I feel like more should be being spoken about that. And um, yeah, it's just it's all it's all kind of sad, isn't it? It is. Let's very uh, I I don't add this on a sad note, yeah. Um, but yeah, th this is where we're at, right? Um, yeah. So women of color podcasters. Um, this is a fantastic thing that you're doing. I'm very, so I'm so excited. Thanks for, thanks for putting this together. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm really excited for, for what's to come, for the, the community, for all of the members. Like we do have a membership, but the Facebook group is just showing that there's so many voices, so much interest, so much intrigue and, in, in the stories we have to tell. Um, so I'm just really excited for the work that's continuously being, uh, being done and, that I'm able to play a role and have a part in that. Um, it wasn't something that I, you know, I wrote actually on application for that Spotify originally to have this community, but I never thought that I would be the leader of that community. Um, it really wasn't on my cards, but here I am. I was, you know, chosen to do this. So I'm enjoying it and just really trying to connect with more podcasters and find more opportunities to benefit the community as a whole. 
I like I like the story of, of you know you not having a podcast of your own until you did not. Right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was just yeah, I literally but wasn't. I was I, I again like I wanted to have a co-host. I had all these limitations and beliefs, and but again, I think that's the beauty of having a community that can be there to push you, to support you, to encourage you, to say sometimes things that will make you question, like, what am I really doing here? Uh, but that's the wonderful, that's just the wonderful part of having a community that you can turn to. Yeah. And then it's, uh, we need, we need people like you for, to be leaders, right? Like to take those opportunities to see that Spotify contest. It was yes. A contest, it was contest. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and to see that opportunity in there and not like, it wasn't a, Oh, I'm going to make so much money opportunity. It's like, I didn't know this existed and it doesn't look like Spotify is doing much more with it, except for what the 10 mm -hmm. people that did they end up getting podcasts, by the way, do you know about how that worked out? And I did they get don't, I don't, I don't, I haven't kept in touch with what has happened since then. And I think, yeah. but it's like 10 people, but there were 17,990 people who are still like, yeah. what do we do here now? And some of those hopefully are, the are the ones in yes. your group. I, I imagine. Right. But that there's still another fifteen thousand people hanging out somewhere, um, who are in, either maybe have podcasts or are interested yes. or just have the yes. idea, and you know it's um, you know like 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 I've said, uh, if I have an idea, I have a million examples of people like me who are yes. doing it, right? So there's nothing like that stopping me from doing it. The only thing that's stopping me is is my desire. Um, you know, and I've had uh, various guests on. Uh, you know, my one of my friends uh, Hamza Khan. Um, he said he would have loved to listen to a podcast when he was younger and heard another Hamza Khan talking about how he was successful in marketing and how he was ma making it not being a doctor or, or a lawyer like his parents wanted. He needed that. And you don't know how much you need that kind of thing until you, if you, if you don't have it, right, I until you miss it, right? And I don't know what it's like to not have that. And I don't need it. I don't need any more of it. It doesn't have to be 80% white men in podcasts. Please, why? Right? Why, do we, why, why is there still this desire for this homogeneous society? It makes no sense. So let's uh, keep talking about this. Let's build. I want your group to be... 18,000. Yeah, 18, I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, start. for sure. <laughs> That's just the start. Just the right? beginning. You know, I'm... <laughs> I'm definitely letting know uh, all the women of color I know who are podcasters to, to do us. this. Like the, if they don't, they're not already in it. Maybe they're already members and I just don't know. Right. Um, so yeah, this is awesome. Um, so, uh, and just to, to recap, the first book was on Iceland. Yes. Is that first right? First book is an Iceland travel guide. Second book of, of, of uh, travel affordability. Yep, affording travel. Yes. Yes. Affording travel, and then you're 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 working on books uh, as uh, whenever you can. I am, I am. During the pandemic, I wrote <laughs> my third book, which is traveling with a full time job. So just kind of already just already it. written, just getting beta readers and okay. yeah, making product you know productiveness during this time. Yeah, good good for you. Like I I you know uh, I look back to my uh, days with uh, you know, unmedicated ADD and. I just, I'm just happy that I can do something like make a couple of podcasts. <laughs> I have a whole list of things I'd like to do, but I'm, you know, I'm trying not to be too hard on myself, but I, I very much admire uh, people like yourself who can just like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do it. Right. I'm going to start this Facebook group. And I know you're scared. I know you're talking and crying to your mom, as you say, in many yes. podcast interviews, which I've listened to over the week. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's not always it's especially if it's not easy that's probably when you should do it right it's especially if you feel like you're being called to something uh but you don't understand how you're going to be able to pull it off what's the worst thing that could have happened in this case right you start this facebook group and there's three members right like that's and then what we found each other yeah (laughs) the three of us found each other so yeah let's keep it going so yeah like so just start the thing it's if it doesn't cost a lot of money especially just do it just do the thing and you know if if you're not spending that much time on it and it's not happening then fine you tried it and at least you know but it could turn into something like like what yours did and and then you're writing these books and just paying down the debt, which we didn't talk about, but you know, it, it's always fascinating when anyone is able to pay off that kind of debt. And you have your own house, which we didn't even mention, right? Yes, yes, all yeah. the things, <laughs> all of the things. So there's a lot, of, a lot things, of things, right? And so, again, um, so yeah, I think there was we had one little uh, in- internet. The internet is a, a mess today. Um, uh, my previous uh, uh, podcast, the Dear Ruby podcast, earlier today, we had connection issues and then. It actually just cut us off right in the middle there. So I'll try to cobble those together, and then we can get this show out unedited as it should be. I'll have to do that tiny bit of editing, unfortunately. But <laughs> otherwise, it was really great to have you on the show. This is really uh, is really good to hear. Um, you just have such a, a great story, and you're just doing everything you can. It's also positive to me. I love uh, having all this positivity uh, on the show. Um, that's I want to promote positivity. I also want to promote overcoming adversity, and I want to promote, uh, you know, amplifying other people's voices and what you can do to do that. And that, uh, you know, it's like anything is possible, yes, yes. right? Um, you know, you just you have to try to make a bit of a difference. I'm doing what I can. I I'm trying to do this. I came out of retirement to to do this, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's not always easy to get a show out weekly. But uh, having conversations like this is what. Uh, propels me forward so uh thank you so much for thank you for the opportunity we are now friends very good friends now i'd love to continue to stay in touch yes absolutely and and yeah again when i'm doing full-time uh when i have the thought or the concept of how i'm going to do this again it could be just unedited like this again we just we just do what we do, right? And we deal with the ums and the and the uh, all the things that might need to be edited that I'm just ignoring right now because it do, it's not as important as just getting the information out there. And that's a lesson in itself, right? If you keep holding yourself back for perfection, it, it, you're just going to... Hold yourself back. Yeah, happen. you're just holding yourself back from your full potential. And now f- 14 shows happened where, where there weren't going to be any. And I've, I've gotten to connect with, with old friends and new friends and and talk about all these things that are happening in the world right now. And uh, hopefully people are listening and it helps. And I know I've heard from some people uh, in my community who uh, are very much appreciating these shows. So it's, uh, it's good to be back and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good to have you on. So next week, I don't quite know who I have yet. It's, that's the thing about doing this uh, weekly and not having a lot of time to, to, to do a, a program, right? And have a schedule and have everything up ahead of time is that I may have somebody for next week. Or, hey, maybe next week's going to be a, a, a quick solo one on, on my end. Or I just call up somebody who I know is uh, available to talk. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and uh, we'll see how it goes um, uh, going forward. But, you know, I want to keep doing this every week as, as long as I can. It's, uh, um, it's important to, to use your voice if you have one. Well, thank you, Bo. So until then. Yes. 
I'll see you. See you. See you next week. And uh, uh, Danielle, we'll see you again in a future episode. And so cheers, everybody. Bye.